I'm James Bryan Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. You are listening to episode 32. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what I call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. And that's where the name of the podcast comes from, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Set your minds and hearts on things above. Now, I know I need a steady intake of thoughts from above. And today's thought from above is one I really need, and here it is. God is the most joyous being in the universe. Let me pause and say that one again. God is the most joyous being in the universe. Now, that's a thought that seldom enters into the minds of most people I know, including myself, for many, many years. Like many, I was certain that God the Father was up somewhere in the cosmos and was mad, really mad about everything. Mad about humans, mad about their constant failures, mad about sin, and mad about me. Of course, this was largely due to the fact that my gospel narrative began with God as being really upset, so much so that he was willing to send us all into a burning pit forever. I wondered if even that would quell his insatiable anger. Now, the gospel I heard also included the idea that Jesus took my rightful beating, and by being my substitute, God would have to, note, not would want to, but God would have to let me into heaven when I died. And that was just part of the deal. But the idea that God was joyous, or even for a minute could be joyful, was pretty impossible for me to compute in my mind. It was like trying to believe that up was down, or that the sky was not blue, or that water isn't wet. God is joyous? Nah. So imagine my surprise when I read an early draft of Dallas Willard's The Divine Conspiracy on what would later be page 62 in the final edition, where I read these shocking words. I'll read the section titled, God's Joyous Being. How about a section title right there? I'm going to read it in its entirety. Central to the understanding and proclamation of the Christian gospel today, as in Jesus' day, is a revisioning of what God's own life is like and how the physical cosmos fits into it. It is a great and important task to come to terms with what we really think when we think of God. Let me pause to repeat that sentence. It is a great and important task to come to terms with what we really think when we think of God. Okay, with that in mind, he goes on. Most hindrances to the Christian faith of Christ actually lie, I believe, in this part of our minds and souls. If he, Jesus, cannot help us with understanding God's life, he cannot help us at all to that salvation or life that is by faith. But of course, he can and does. We should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life and that he is full of joy. Okay, wait, I got to repeat that. We should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life and that he is full of joy. Pause for a moment and reflect on that sentence. God leads a very interesting life in that he is full of joy. 
Now, I could stop here and just ask you to soak in this thought for, I don't know, 10,000 years. But I'm going to let Dallas explain further because he continues, undoubtedly, God is the most joyous being in the universe. I want to go on, but I can't. I got to repeat that. God is the most joyous being in the universe. Okay, here he goes. The abundance of his life and generosity is inseparable from his infinite joy. All of the good and beautiful things from which we occasionally drink tiny droplets of soul-exhilarating joy, God continuously experiences in all their breadth and depth and richness. Now, let me pause again. Dallas here is making the claim that just as we like to think of God as being all-powerful, omnipotent, or all-knowing, omniscient, we must also attribute this all or omni to God's joy. God is all joy or omni joy, if you will. God is omni joy, not almond joy. That's a candy bar. (laughs) To return to the good Dr. Willard, he then illustrates his point. This is Dallas talking. While I was teaching in South Africa some time ago, A young man named Matthew Dickison took me out to see the beaches near his home in Port Elizabeth. I was totally unprepared for the experience. I'd seen beaches, or so I thought, but when we came over the rise where the sea and land opened up to us, I stood in stunned silence and then slowly walked toward the waves. Words could not capture the view that confronted me. I saw space and light and texture and color and power that seemed hardly of this earth. Dallas continues, Gradually, there crept into my mind the realization that God sees this all the time. He sees it, experiences it, knows it from every possible point of view. This and billions of other scenes like and unlike it in this and billions of other worlds. Great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through his being. i got to stop again and let that one sink in. Great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through God's being. There's more. He goes on. It is perhaps strange to say, but suddenly I was extremely happy for God and thought I had some sense of what an infinite joyous consciousness he is and of what it might have meant for him to look at his creation and find it very good. There's so much here that's just been said that that is worth as noted spending hours and hours contemplating. Let me restate a few of these marvelous thoughts from above just in this section. God leads a very interesting life. God is full of joy. God is the most joyous being in the universe. Great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through God's being. Can you imagine this to be true? I admit, this is hard for many of us to believe, and I confess I have been one of them. But I love these words. 
and my heart is strangely warmed at the mere thought of them. Now, in this podcast, and certainly in my books, notably The Good and Beautiful God, I make the point that anything we say about God the Father must match or be in complete accord with what we see and hear from Jesus. As I like to say, there's only one answer to the question, what is God like? And the answer is Jesus. So then, we must ask, is or was Jesus joyful? Did and does Jesus lead a very interesting life, and is Jesus full of joy? Is Jesus the most joyous being in the universe? Do great tidal waves of joy constantly wash through Jesus' being? The answer is yes. Dallas continues on page 64 of The Divine Conspiracy. Now, Jesus himself was and is a joyous, creative person. He does not allow us to continue thinking of our Father who fills and overflows space as a morose and miserable monarch, a frustrated and petty parent, or a policeman on the prowl. One cannot think of God in such ways while confronting Jesus' declaration, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. One of the most outstanding features of Jesus' personality was precisely an abundance of joy. This he left as an inheritance to his students, that their joy might be full, John 15, 11. And they did not say, pass the aspirin, for he was well known to those around him as a happy man. It is deeply illuminating of kingdom living to understand that his steady happiness was not ruled out by his experience of sorrow and even grief. Now, let me pause. Dallas has been proclaiming that God the Father is the most joyous being in the universe. And now he's adding that Jesus was and is also a person of great joy. Several years ago, there was an Italian film about the life of Jesus. And in it, the actor who played Jesus was, well, he was short and he was kind of overweight and he was balding. But that was not the problem people had with the movie. People had some trouble with this movie because in one scene, Jesus is playing some kind of game, like maybe soccer. And he's out on the beach with his disciples, and he's laughing and he's having fun. Apparently, this was just too much for some viewers who thought it was impossible for Jesus to have had fun or to have laughed. Now, I think there's something really, really important here. Our inability to see God or Jesus as joyful reveals that we have a deficient view of God. And more, I believe this is the reason so many people have trouble believing God could actually love them. Let me close with Dallas' own words at the end of this beautiful section in The Divine Conspiracy. He writes, So we must understand that God does not love us without liking us, through gritted teeth, as Christian love is sometimes thought to do. Rather, out of the eternal freshness of his perpetually self-renewed being, the Heavenly Father cherishes the earth and each human being upon it. The fondness, the endearment, the unstintingly affectionate regard of God toward all his creatures is the natural outflow of what he is at the core, which we vainly try to capture with our tired but indispensable old word, love. I hope you'll join me next week for episode 33. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Bryan Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast at ApprenticeInstitute.org. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you'll get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, hey, what's on your mind? Your answer will be things above. <laughs>